this bonus episode, Star Trek Figurines. Welcome, members of Starfleet, the Klingon Empire, and Ferengi alike, to this bonus episode of Sequel Quest. On our main show this week, we're discussing our ideas for sequels and spinoffs in the Star Trek universe, so be sure to join us for that exciting discussion as we boldly go where no Star Trek property has gone before. Hopefully. Now, aside from the movies, TV, books, Star Trek has an extensive amount of merchandising in the form of action figures, which my guest today knows a thing or two about as the obsessive mind behind StarWarsJunk.net and the recently launched and endlessly informative The Kenner Chronicles podcast. I'd like to welcome Darren. How's it going? Hey, it's really good to be here, but it feels kind of odd to talk about Star Trek. I feel like I've jumped the line. <laughs> Star Wars every day. Yeah, like you say, I mean, you're the Yoda of Kenner toys, or at least the Obi-Wan Kenobi. So what made you want to talk about Star Trek action figures, specifically the Next Generation toys by Playmates? I really love that line. You know, I really got into Star Trek Next Generation. My brother's probably about six years older than me, and he was always into the classic series. Uh, I liked it, couldn't really get into it, but kind of late getting to the Next Generation series, probably 92 before I really started watching it. And right about that same time was that early 90s action figure boom where people in their 20s were buying. And you had, of course, Star Trek and you had, I think, Ninja Turtles were hot right then. So everything kind of collided right there. It's funny, too, because I remember when the Playmates figures first came out, I said, I just want a Borg. That's all I want. And they were hard to find. And I said, I'm not going to buy the whole series. I don't really care that much about them. But then I ended up with almost every figure they made. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm kind of in a similar boat where I got in maybe around 1990 or something. It seemed like in my area, every time I went to a friend's house, the next generation was on. It was a pop culture phenomenon. So have you always been obsessive about collecting figures or did the line itself really grab your imagination? I was getting back into the vintage Star Wars stuff. I think Batman, the animated series were out. I was really into those. And just buying any cool action figure I saw. So I didn't want to start a whole new collection. But like I felt they such great detail. They were very good figures. So, you know, you got a board. You couldn't just sit a board on your desk by yourself. I had to get a Picard. And if I got a Picard, I got to get a Riker. And if I get a Riker, I got to get a Worf. And it just, you know, went <laughs> on from there. <laughs> Got to have the whole crew, yeah. When I think about the figures that I jumped on to first thing, if I was watching Next Generation, it was always about Jordy and Data. You know, it's like Picard, fine, Riker, sure. But Jordy and Data is who I was really flipping the channel to see. And I remember just being so excited. It was odd, too, because, like, the Jordy figure, obviously, you know, the Cyclops-style visor was just exciting. But he also came with these dilithium crystals, which is just a little plastic crystal thing. But for some reason, as a kid, that just grabbed my imagination. I was like, oh, it kind of glows in the light. Right, the... yeah, I, for I forgot they came with that. You're right. Yeah, because they, they, they all came with, like, little accessories that they'd have, like, a tricorder or, you know, a phaser or just, but they were little, you know, cheapo plastic. But the Data figure was cool, too, because it had the little flap that opened up and you could see his circuits underneath. Anything, you know, with a cyborg or a robot was going to be a kid's favorite. And, uh, Jordy, did they have one with a visor that came off? I always heard that, that they were two virgins in that first series but there i never was. saw one there was one okay yeah that does exist somewhere because i know i took some pliers to one of the ones i had and pulled the visor off and it, oh wow but it wouldn't go back on but it, the eyes were look like they were made to come off you could see the glue around the face and everything so 
It didn't uh, come out as good as I hoped. Now, you're mentioning some of the things that made the line successful. You know, like you said, the, the sculpts were pretty good. The likenesses were pretty good. I always thought also just the card art itself was pretty striking. Like, it got your attention, you know, on the peg, on the shelf. I think for me, that always made a big difference with any series. Like, the figures could be awesome, but if the card art didn't grab me first thing, I probably wasn't going to buy it. That's what made me look at the figure. How, how do you feel about card art? in general yeah i mean that's really with the vintage line although it's really hard for me to collect that vintage star wars card stuff because it's so expensive now but the card art is amazing for those figures you know the figures are basic figures uh, but the card art is really really amazing on those old figures and the star trek ones were okay i just didn't like that every card was the same look you know like star mm -hmm. wars had each character's face on it but they came with a trading card which i wasn't really much into the trading card and i think later they came with the pogs didn't they <laughs> They did, yeah. I think they called them space caps or something space like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a fad. That was like the fidget spinners of the 90s, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. The comic store had them, and I remember he had some Star Wars ones, and I picked up those just because it was Star Wars. But I don't think I've ever played with them. <laughs> or however, it's, it's a game, right? Yeah, you just stack them, slam them, and whatever flips over, get to keep. So now, obviously, Playmates ended up with the line from Next Generation all the way through Voyager, but predating... Playmates uh, having the license for Next Generation specifically, Galoob got in on it when the show launched, and they had these little three and a half inch figures. I don't know if you ever saw those. They were pretty yeah. well sculpted, but they were just so tiny. Like they were, you know, essentially Kenner sized, G.I. Joe kind of sized. Did you ever remember coming across those? Yeah. You know, when they were in the stores, I wasn't into Star Trek, but I do remember in the 90s seeing them at toy shows and stuff. I never really got into those. Like you said, they, they look good. It just. The what was the aliens they did? It never it kind of boggled my mind why they picked those aliens. Well, I know they did a Ferengi in that collection, and then they yeah. did have a Q figure. It was like that green lizard looking one. I can't even hardly remember him on the show, and I was like, why did they make that guy? Well, and I feel like that was one of the things with Next Generation is the aliens that came on a lot of times ended up being just weird head and then just a person's body. Yeah. So to me, it felt a lot of times like, well, this isn't really exciting. Yeah, and that Galoob was probably just maybe season two. Yeah, I think they got the first two seasons, but Galoob didn't really expand the line. Yeah, so they didn't have many aliens to pick from because mm -hmm. as season one aliens... I mean, Next Generation is good, but then first two seasons are not the best of the series. Yeah. But they didn't have anything really great to pick from either. So. Now, do you have a favorite among those, you know, aside from your Borg figure? I don't think I had one other than just because it was my favorite character on the show, like Riker and Picard I liked. And I liked all the Borgs they did. Well, they did Hugh. Locutus of Borg looked the best out of all of them, I thought. But, uh, you know, I had the bridge playset too. I don't know if you had that, but that's an awesome playset. I had them all sitting up in there the whole crew and everybody. So I didn't have one figure, like I said, that I just loved more than all of them. But as long as I had the crew and everything else, I was pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. I was actually going to mention that because, yeah, when I thought about my favorites, I was actually thinking the ones I was most impressed by were not just the figures, but the bridge and the transporter room playset. Is oh, really that cool. oh, yes, that transporter room. That I show that to my kids today, and they're, they're amazed by it. I mean, you get your sound effects. You get, you know, again, those fun, just extra play features. I mean, the transporter room is basically like a magic trick, you know? <laughs> right, that's what I said. My, kid, my kids love it. When they were little, I show it to them. Couldn't believe it. Now, my brother had a uh, Enterprise playset. It was Mego. You know what I'm talking about? It was... Yeah, it was cardboard, right? Bent it was like vinyl, and you oh, opened vinyl. it up. 
<laughs> yeah, and it had a transporter. You spun it around and hit the button, and they would disappear. <laughs> that wild me back then, but it wasn't as good as that transporter for Playmates. Now, you know, it was great for the variety, which I think is one of the things that made it successful. It's just like, you could have every version of Captain Picard, or you could have every, you know, holodeck costume or whatever. But at the same time, it felt like you couldn't have a real fun villain to fight against. Like, for me, I ended up buying just a Romulan figure, because I'm like, well, I gotta have some bad guy. But a lot of times, he just doubled as Ambassador Spock. I'm like, okay, he'll be Spock also, you know. The worst one, I don't know if you can call it a figure, was a Worf son, Alexander. Yeah, he, he was, was like a, a minifigure. Yeah, right? a minifigure in his cowboy outfit. And I don't know why they didn't make an actual figure of him. And uh, I guess the other one, I just have this thing. Dr. Polanski is like the Jar Jar Binks of Star Trek. <laughs> right. Nobody liked her behind the scenes yeah. or on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, we do not need a Dr. Polanski. Of course, I bought it. But I was like, we do not need a Dr. Polanski action figure. And uh, Troy's mom, I never, I never bought Troy's mom because I hated the character so much. And I still, to this day, don't have it, but I wish I did. <laughs> that was created just so that actress could have something to sign <laughs> at conventions, you know? <laughs> right. I was on Star Trek. Here, yeah, yeah, buy this toy, then I'll sign it. Yeah, it was, oh. I, don't, I don't understand who, who would want to play with that or even Yeah, I, I can't imagine no kid buying her a Dr. Polanski and running home to... <laughs> play with it now on the other side is there a figure you wish they would have made that seemed like this is a no-brainer why did they not create this person in plastic form uh other than the alexander dr omori was that his name he was on a hologram but he came alive and he took over the ship oh yes i know who you're talking about yeah moriarty from sherlock holmes yeah. right yeah. yeah so i was like some of those it was being that you're going to have the hologram figures anyway. Mm-hmm. It would been cool to stick in some of that those bad guys. And everybody I'm thinking of now, I about mentioned that I remember they made them later. I was going to say Boz, but I remember they made her. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they did pretty good at bringing probably almost every character you could think of. It seemed like they did so much with the heroes. There were so many yeah. variations and all that, but they, they did so little with the actual, you know, if you want to call them villains or the antagonists of different episodes. Like, for me, I was thinking about... I think it was first season even. It was this oozing oil slick alien named Armus who was like this yeah, the one that killed Tashiar. That, that would kid. be an odd figure to have, yeah. I'm even imagining it kind of like a bendable figure that's just the sludge pile, but then it would come with a, a bottle of slime that you could yeah, pour Yeah, so they could have had fun with that. They could have done a whole playset with it. The slime yeah. kit. Yeah. <laughs> Mix a little Ninja Turtles with a little bit of Masters of the Universe. And yeah, now you got something fun. <laughs> Right. I know they did the Holodeck series, and they had these sets that came with little set pieces you could display them in. But I always felt like they should have done even like a cheapo play set that was the Holodeck, where you could just drop in different cards for oh, backgrounds. Like, like, that would have been neat. Being there, you know, they did what the Western line and the Dixon Hill. So yeah, that would that would have been pretty neat to have. But yeah, I can't believe they didn't do any kind of holodeck playset. I mean, that's just as important to the next generation as the bridge. And, Absolutely. Uh, now, Playmates, they focused on the figures, but they actually created quite a few Star Trek toys outside of just an action figure. Did you ever get into some of the role-playing toys or anything like that? I didn't really, like, collect them. I know I got the Tricorder and I think one of the classic series, Guns. And the only other thing is a uh, 
communicator you put on your shirt and you touch it and it made that little beep sound. I, I'm not sure if Playmates made that or not. They did, I love yeah. That. Yeah. I, yeah well, I, I had that too, and I wore that battery out real quick. Yeah, yeah I, just... well, I had a girlfriend that threw it out the window in the car. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Spent too much time with your Star Trek figures. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't think uh, Saturday night was fun going to Toys Us, but no. <laughs> Imagine but, that. Come on. <laughs> Now, there's one that I was aware of, and I didn't own them, and I never bought them, but they had these Mighty Max-style toys that folded out from, like, a phaser or a tricorder or a communicator design oh, to have, right, like, a little yeah. miniature playset inside, and I think that was just very cool. Yeah, kind of like a Micro Machine line. That, yeah, and I don't think I ever had any of those, but I remember seeing them in the stores. This is the question that I have then. So do you feel like the line quality continued? Because, I mean, they went through... Deep Space Nine, like I said, they went through Voyager, you know, they, they basically kept the same style, but do you feel like the figures were worth collecting past, you know, 94, uh, 95? Yeah, well, I never got into Deep Space Nine or Voyager too much. I did buy some of the figures, but I was, they were kind of losing me there. I didn't know those series, but then it seems like they were starting to get wacky <laughs> with the next generation figures. Like you said, there were transporter figures where half of them were missing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think they did a cadets next generation cadet figures and i hated those but of course i bought every one of them <laughs> so by the end of the line i think the quality stayed probably the same but they started losing where they just was doing that wacky stuff and the only thing that really upset me with that line is that first contact line which they made them bigger than the tv show line and I can't understand why they did that. Yeah, towards the end, when they got into the movies, they started making a lot of the 12-inch figures and, like, what, 9-inch figures as well. And it was just kind of strange. Because, like, some of them, they were, like, Mego-sized, right? Dolls. Yeah, they had, like, a hard plastic one that talked. Well, I think they were the next generation. They talked. You pushed the button on the back. I think it was three or four of them. But, yeah, those... First Contact's my favorite Star Trek movie, and I hate that I would have these figures and I couldn't do a scene from First Contact because they didn't go with the Next Generation figure. They were all a little taller and too big. So <laughs> I don't understand why they changed in the middle of the run like that. Playmates truly made use of that license. I mean, they did not let anything oh. go to waste, even if they got a little ridiculous. And one of the things that they decided to branch out really, you know, kind of towards the end is they say, well, we got Ninja Turtles, we got Star Trek, let's do a crossover line. Right. Did you collect those Ninja Turtle Star Trek figures? I didn't buy one. I laughed at them at the store. <laughs> I, I never. I think I was a little too old to get into Ninja Turtles, so I never did. And maybe if they did a series two and it was the next generation as the Ninja Turtles, I probably would have talked myself into getting some. I mean, uh, to see a Ninja Turtle as a Borg would have probably been too much to handle, and I would have had to break down <laughs> and get it. I could totally see that. To me, it was the first time I really experienced a pop culture mashup. Which nowadays is like everywhere, right? It's t-shirts, right. it's Ninja Turtles is still doing it. They cross over with wrestling and they cross over with horror movies and all these other things. So that's still their uh, stock and trade. But when I think back about it now, though, it's like the concept was more exciting than the execution of those figures. Because it's just like, well, the turtles are wearing clothes and have hair. Like It was kind of strange. And I think at the time I thought, well, this is just a money grab. But I remember I used to buy the action figure news magazines and gearing up big for them. Now, if they had done a series two, I really feel like they needed to, again, add some villains to the mix. So I was kind of imagining, you know, like a Klingon shredder, you know, <laughs> Bebop is Mugato, like the big hairy ape with a horn type, you know, thing. Maybe April is one of the green Orion girls. Oh, you know? yeah. That, yeah, that would have been good. Like I said, with... Ninja Turtles was probably as big as it was then, 
and Next Generation was big then. I don't know why they decided to go with the classic figures, mm-hmm. but I guess people knew the classic more. But it was a missed opportunity not to stick to that next generation line. At least give it a second shot, right? Like, as I think they, yeah. they could even take it to the point of like, let's get the Rat King as the Tribble King. That, see, I see, I would have bought that. If only they'd gotten more creative. But the question I have for you now is obviously, you know, you are big into the the collector's market for certain figures, and I know you mentioned on your podcast that you have come across these figures nowadays just haven't seemed to hold their value. So talk to me a little bit about what you see out there it's sad i don't understand Uh, in fact before we got on this podcast i was looking on ebay just to see and i found uh, somebody just sold i think it was 36 figures on card sold for 65 dollars (laughs) wow yeah so it makes me think well maybe now i should go back and get them all card and now they're so cheap (laughs) and we've got a antique store close to my house that a guy at a booth out there has them and he's got them marked five dollars and it's about everyone you can think of and he never sells them i mean star trek next generation is still pretty popular i don't know why no one likes this collection it's kind of sad how it's forgotten about well and i think what it was is you know when i think back to buying them the roddenberry vision of star trek even though there would be like action you know back in the day kirk fighting somebody or Riker fighting somebody at next generation they were always solving their problems with reason and not violence and it was a huge action adventure story every week so reenacting scenes with your figures was like you said get the bridge and now they're going to have a discussion about how they're going to outwit this alien race that's threatening them, which is kind of boring for a kid. I feel like it, it didn't endear the line to anybody because, like, oh, I play with those for hours. You're like, eh, I kind of got them, yeah. and then I set them up, and then I said, okay, I have them. And that's the me. I think a lot of the people that bought them in the 90s were probably like in their 20s, like me, older, so they don't have that nostalgia of playing with them the way right. people that collect the old Star Wars toys remember playing with them. So I think that might have to do with them. Like, I'll sit them up and do scenes with them, but yeah, I couldn't see acting out a whole episode. Yeah, it's not like the aliens line from Kenner, where the whole point is to blast xenomorphs they even had an exploding alien, you know? So that's pretty easy yeah. to get behind. You're like, all right, yeah, I know what this is about. Whereas Star Trek Next Generation is a bunch of older-looking people in military uniforms or whatever, you know? They're just like, when you get Reg Barclay, played by Dwight Schultz of A-Team <laughs> fame, you know, as a figure, you're like, well, it'd yeah, be I mean, great if it was Murdoch visiting the Enterprise, you know? No, you <laughs> could always imagine. But yeah, I mean, it's just... <laughs> It's sure it's a crew member, actually. I mean, that's about all you can do with it. I think it's it almost falls into the same boat as, like, the Love Boat or MASH action figures that came out. Yeah, I remember. I still don't understand. (laughs) They (laughs) they won't make anything back then. Get your Alan Alda figure. I don't don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, I can't imagine going outside and playing with your MASH figures. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's unfortunate that it has not stood the test of time. But like you said... For those who feel the tinge of nostalgia, it's there to be had for a reasonable price. So, yeah, you know, get say, out maybe there. it's a good time to go back. And uh, I know a lot of people criticize it. I like the number on the foot. Look, if I went to the store and it had three or four of the same character, I would always look at the foot and get the lowest number I could find. <laughs> that so I've got some that's in the hundreds, and I thought I was, you know, I thought I would put my kids through college now with those figures. I have a Thomas Riker on card, not William Riker, you know, the. The clone twin. At the time, he was very rare, very hard to find. And his foot number is 00001. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but I've contacted Playmates. They told me they, they kept all the number ones. So it has to be an error. Hmm. But the bad thing is, I love this figure. 
And I had the guy that owned a comic book store I was friends with offer me $500 for it back when it came out. Whoa. In 1995. But now I couldn't give it away. Yeah, it it is crazy to have lived in that time. Hopefully we'll hear an episode from you in the future about the 90s boom. I mean, I, I still, I get people on Twitter ask me all the time about those late 90s Star Wars figures that came back out. They're like, hey, I got an orange car, Luke Skywalker. What's it worth? And I, and I have to tell them, oh, $3. <laughs> <laughs> and the truth is, at this point in time, most people are paying for the nostalgia factor outside of the collectability factor. So you know, right. have the completest, but that's a very small part of the community. They might pay 20 bucks for a Thomas Riker figure because that was their favorite episode. And they're like, oh, they, I never found the figure when I was a kid. You have it, you know? Oh, yeah, well, it'll be 500. Uh, how about 20? Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, no one cares about that foot number now either. I was like, oh. I actually had a guy on Twitter was proud that he bought one of those older Star Wars figures from 95, 96 that was graded. I can't imagine who would pay to grade a $3 figure. It's unfortunate. And that's the sad part, I feel like, in a lot of ways, is the grading, just in general, has made collecting less fun. Or at least... Yeah, don't don't get me started on on grading. (laughs) I can understand if you have something extremely rare. You know, it helps with insurance purposes and, you know, like the old Star Wars figures, then bubbles will fade. Mm -hmm. So if it's something rare like a Vinyl Cape Jawa or Yak Face, I can see grading that. But when you're just grading a Lobot or a Dr. Polanski... (laughs) That's just wasting your money. You never know. They'll bring her back somehow. CGI Dr. Polanski Chronicles. And yeah, they'll have her, her own. Spin-off series. She'll, she'll probably be in the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on. It was awesome to get a chance to chat with you here. But tell us a little bit about your newest adventure here, the Kenner Chronicles, and where people can find it, what the plans are for the show. Well, I don't know where they can find it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've done only two test episodes. They're up on my YouTube channel, but I got a good response from them, and I just got through recording my first one and i submitted everything to itunes so just keep your eye on starwarsjunk.net hopefully itunes will not take forever and they'll they'll let me have it on there but everything will be on starwarsjunk.net and you can find the links to the kenner twitter and all the star wars stuff in my youtube channel to check out the test episodes and i would like to do a whole podcast on that 90s boom because like you said that was a crazy time to be into collecting. And I highly recommend it, especially the second episode. If you've been thinking about getting back into collecting, you feel that nostalgia and you want to really figure out how can I make this financially work for myself so I can get the figures I really want. Darren has some great tips for you for kind of how to build your reputation, how to build your, your PayPal bank account. You know? <laughs> Just be warned because I will ramble and I'll start off telling you how to collect in a budget and then I'll end up talking about some old movie I just saw or something crazy. So. <laughs> Don't go into it. Thank thinking, hey, I'm going to spend an hour listening about toy collecting because it's not structured. Yes, yeah, but it's still, it's a lot of fun, a lot of energy, as you've noticed here, he's passionate about it, so go find the Kenner Chronicles, check out StarWarsJunk.net, Darren will treat you well with the stories and the knowledge he has to share. So, join us at SequelQuestPod.com, check out our 50th episode of Sequel Quest, so it's a little bit of a celebration there. Also, if you are a Star Trek collector, that's how you found the episode. If you're looking for a little bit of vintage merch, we're actually going to have a giveaway of some Star Trek merchandise from from the 90s as part of the celebration and we would just love to hear your thoughts about this episode if you're a collector go ahead and shoot us a message uh sequelquestpod at gmail.com find us on twitter so until next time make it so